I do think in the medical system, there's so much room to improve the process of having a C-section, even maybe things that we could do to avoid having a C-section. Hi, I'm Amy Kiefer, a nurse, doula, and personal trainer. And I'm Crystal Howell, a women's health and orthopedic physical therapist. We're the co-founders of Expecting and Empowered, and we just so happen to be sisters. We built this business because we saw a huge gap between the information that women were given during pregnancy and postpartum and the information that they need. We're committed to helping close the gap so that women are better equipped to navigate these demanding and challenging years. Yes, we're both moms of three, so we know firsthand how many changes women go through physically, mentally, and emotionally because women aren't getting enough information to make informed decisions about their own health. It leaves mothers picking up the pieces afterwards. We need that to change. With our professional backgrounds, we're going to pull the curtain back on this season and give you the information you need to thrive. We're on a mission to change women's health. Let's do this. Today, we are back with another birth story. This one is really special because it is the story of my niece, Brooke Declan, as told by her mom, my sister, and my co-founder, Crystal. This birth happened via C-section. So as we always say, every birth is beautiful and worthy. And so we want to make sure that we're telling C-section birth stories. Without further ado, I'm going to let Crystal tell the story of her first daughter's birth. So Brooke's birth story started long before I was pregnant with my first. Some women dream about their perfect weddings, and I always have dreamed about creating a family. Amy and I come from a very large family of six kids, three boys, three girls, and I loved the chaos, the competitions, and the bonds formed between each one of us. So when I was in PT school, I selfishly took a women's health course. So we got to choose different electives. And one of the ones I chose was this women's health course. And I had zero intention into going into women's health, but I wanted to know what was going to happen to my body when I was ready to have my babies. So I started going down this rabbit hole and every day during the course, my jaw was just dropped like so much information that we never covered because this is like at the end of PT school that we never covered during physical therapy school. And it was so much information that I didn't know about my own body or have understanding. So it was so fascinating to go to that course every single week. And I also then started down this rabbit hole of being interested in women's health, but I was like fighting it to my being. I always thought I was going to be a spinal cord injury therapist because our brother Jesse actually had a spinal cord injury when we were younger. And then that got me interested in physical therapy. So I wanted to kind of like pay it forward with other spinal cord injury patients. So I continued along and it was doing a lot of women's health courses And I just felt so empowered by the information that you would receive in these courses. Well, taking a course at Brigham's Women's Hospital in Boston, which is a highly advanced women's health hospital, they actually have physical therapists in the room every single labor and delivery. But during that course, they were showing these births, so home births, 
unmedicated births. And I was so empowered and felt so confident in my body and like had set up this ideal birth experience in my mind. So fast forward a little bit and we got pregnant with our first one. And a fun fact in New Zealand, like my favorite place yet on earth. And then I started and began the process of preparing for what I wanted to do, which was an unmedicated birth. So we started at a birth center and I was very comfortable with this scenario, but my partner on the other hand was a little bit more risk adverse. So we quickly switched to a traditional hospital setting. And then at the end of my pregnancy, I started to become so nervous about the amount of pain that you're going to go through. I always love saying that I like did stuff. So I hate heights and I've bungee jumped before. I like don't love running long, long, long distances. And I've ran marathons before. I always just love checking things off the list. So this unmedicated birth was definitely on my list, but I was also like, oh my, how am I going to do this? So I began to do all the things that I knew in my women's health field. I prepared my body with peritoneal stretching. I started listening to podcasts to mentally prepare for labor and delivery. But since then, I have learned so much more. So a piece of me, the tiniest little piece ever, wants to get pregnant again so I can feel more confident in these births. That's a joke. Hopefully no more. (laughs) Three is all I can handle. So I was very nervous, but still really wanted to take on this unmedicated birth. And then I was at an OB appointment. And I think it's like 36 weeks where they check if the baby is head down or in the wrong direction. And I had this really, really funny relationship with my doctor. He is definitely more old school, very serious, very like statistical, logical. And obviously his job is to worry more about the serious stuff, but I was always trying to get him to lighten up and to laugh and to be funny. And he did love it, but it would take me a couple of minutes to break (laughs) him. So when we're at this appointment, I'm by myself and it was the very last appointment on Friday because I was like, Hey, Dr. Sims, do I even like have to come to these? I'll check my own blood pressure and I'll do my own stuff and just let you know the stats. And he's like, no, Crystal, you need to come in every time. Okay. (laughs) And so in my busy schedule, I jammed it the last minute on a Friday. And he goes to do the ultrasound to check if the baby's head down. And at the time, too, with all of my kids, I didn't know their gender. So sometimes I'll refer to her as an it because we really didn't know at the time. But he reluctantly tells me, okay, so she's breech. And when he told me this, it was insane because an extreme... I did not think I was going to cry at this part. I cried during mine too. (laughs) (laughs) An extreme amount of emotion came out of me. Like, I could not believe that like everything that I had worked for in this pregnancy was taken away so quickly. And I was still really hopeful that she would turn. Mm -hmm. So I went into all those strategies. Some of the options were a cephalic inversion. And this is a procedure done by the physicians where they monitor. Okay, I don't even know why I was crying. (laughs) 
Okay, so I've regrouped. <laughs> so you can hear me. So we definitely went into this mission to flip the baby. So I thought that my options at the time were a cephalic external inversion, which is a procedure that the physicians do and they're monitoring the baby. And from the get-go, they let you know 50% of the time they work, 50% of the time they don't. And they also let you know that it usually happens very easily or it doesn't happen. So I also was doing more holistic-y type stuff or what I knew at the time to do. So I was doing some inversion where you're butt is going up and your head is going down towards the ground to allow gravity to assist the baby to come down. And then to one of actually Amy referred her to the clinic, but my first ever employee, Natalie, who is an amazing women's health physical therapist out of Indianapolis, she's like so granola-y, like to the granola to the max. She was also telling me all these things that I had to do. So I was literally walking around and I'm not laughing to laugh at it. But at the time it was so out of my wheelhouse. I'm like, Natalie, and now I would walk in the grass barefoot without question. But at the time, <laughs> she was like, Crystal, you need to ground yourself. You need to tell this baby that you're ready to meet it. And you really need to tell them you're like so busy all the time. You need to slow down. And then she was also telling me other things to do, like putting ice on the top of your belly and sitting in a warm bathtub. That I feel like she moved a decent amount. So with this cephalic inversion, I was really kind of like hanging my hat on that. I thought it would just work. I'm more of an optimist than a pessimist. So I was like, this is going to be cool and fine. And as the physicians were doing it, it was not cool and fine <laughs> in the sense that it didn't work. Like, I feel like, too, I didn't know what to expect going into that procedure mm -hmm. because everything I looked up online, I couldn't tell if their like hands are like internal, if things are external. Obviously, it says external, but I really didn't know what was I was in store for that day. So basically, too, for people that are lined up for it, they're pushing just from the outside on your belly. And there were two physicians in the room when they were doing it. And Brooke's head, literally, you could see her head push back into their hands. Like, I am very comfy and I'm not moving for you. And so later the doctor was like, okay, I literally felt like I assaulted you. But in my head, like if pain is temporary, I can deal with it. And it wasn't as painful as people on the internet had led on to. Well, and everyone has a different pain tolerance. So it's yeah. like some people's, you know, some people's pain tolerance might be limited. Yes. So in that case, it just didn't work. Moral of the story, it didn't work. So I was still doing my granola stuff for my friend Natalie. And I was scheduled and lined up for a C-section at 39 weeks. The cool thing about C-sections is you can kind of like pick their birthdays. Mm -hmm. I don't know why I picked Brooks. But anyways, so the morning of the C-section, they're preparing me for the C-section. And even like going to the hospital, it wasn't like this super exciting feeling like, oh my gosh, I'm so excited to meet my baby. I was literally like overwhelmed that I was going to have mm. a C-section. Okay. <laughs> and this is not the way that I had planned on my birth happening. 
So I continued to repeat to my husband and the nurse, like, okay, the baby is not telling me that it's ready to come out. We're like not going to do this today. And I feel like at first, neither one of them knew how to respond because they're like, we've literally like admitted you, you're hooked up to an IV, like we've unpacked your stuff. Like, what do you mean we're not going to do this today? And actually that nurse, I feel like was very good because she's like, she just called me down and was like, I know this isn't the way that you planned it, but we will keep you safe and we're trying to keep your baby safe. And so I still didn't want to do it, but I was like, okay, that's just impending. This is what's yeah. going to happen. And then they get ready to walk you down to the operating room. And I've never had surgery before. So this is like very outside my wheelhouse. Like I thought too, like I'm healthy. I am very lucky that I've never had surgery, but this experience was so different. And they walk you down to the operating room and obviously you can walk on the way down there and you get into this space and it's cold. It's very lit up and there's a ton of people and of course they do this like every single day mm -hmm. so they're just doing their little tasks and honestly I really didn't think that this was going to be so emotional I've talked about my birth story I guess I've never sat down to tell the whole story all at once Instagram stories only gives you 15 seconds so it's usually quite easy to talk about on there anyways so you're walking to a cold room, lots of people, lots of things going on. It's kind of like an overwhelming scenario. And then I usually don't have the tendency to lean on other people. Actually, I've done personality tests and my autonomy score is a nine out of 10. So <laughs> <laughs> I that's not my go-to, you know? So then walking into this room, they tell my husband that he's got to sit in like this waiting room area while they give me the spinal. And I was like, whoa, 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 like nobody signed him up for not coming in with me. Like I want him to come in and they're like, it's not part of our procedure. The hospital liability stuff, you know, they never want you to see anything funky in there. <laughs> and so there goes my lifeline. I guess the one out of 10 wanted him there. So the cool thing was though, that one of the nurses that was helping prep in there was like, oh my God, Crystal. And of course you could think, wow, she's going to see everything. But I was like literally had a flood of relief. So it was one of my patients in the clinic. She just had come in for like low back pain, neck pain, whatever. And she's like, you like changed my life. Da, 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 da. And so it was very cool because that was like somebody that I knew and it was comforting. So she actually like helped me lay over, not lay, but you sit up and you just bend forward. And she kind of like held me while they gave me the spinal. And so... It's like a very weird feeling because it happens all so quickly. Like literally they give you the spinal and usually within like 10, 15 minutes, the baby is out. So they go through their normal procedure stuff and then you lay down. And then of course my husband got to come in and he literally looked like a tourist, like at Yosemite. <laughs> like he's got his like camera that I've told him to take pictures with and he's got his little bonnet on <laughs> and here we go. He just is standing at the head of the table. And so he's very interested in what's going on. 
I don't know where that came from, though, because when we got pregnant with her, when they put the ultrasound up my cucaracha to see if there was a baby in there, he literally moved to the opposite side of the room. (laughs) But all of a sudden, now that we're at like a stage 10 (laughs) procedure at the hospital, he's very interested. So they had to tell him to get in his space multiple times. (laughs) Sir, please back up. (laughs) But also, too, sometimes this is where communicating with your partner can be very clear because that left me feeling I'm glad you're interested, but I'm very alone because I cannot see anything at the head of the table. So in that pregnancy and birth, the anesthesiologist was great. He would like give me the play by play or why I was like hearing or feeling certain things. Because during all of my C-sections, one of the things that like overwhelmed me was that I could, when they cauterize, you can smell your own flesh burning. And I feel like that sensation with all the stuff that was going on, like and the pain medication set me over the edge. But as a people pleaser, I am. I just sat there nauseous <laughs> until I was about to upchuck. Like, literally, I was like, it's going to happen. I'm going to be puking during her birth. And so he he was like, why didn't you tell me this before? Like, Because yeah. he's like, I can do so much to calm that down. And then so he did. He literally drove medication to help decrease the nausea. And they provided like a, a washcloth with peppermint oil on it, which made it go down so much where it was tolerable instead of feeling like I'm miserable during this whole process. But and now that we know Brooke, she's still this stubborn, but they were having a really hard time of getting her out. So both of the doctors that were in there were kind of like grabbing a limb and then they'd pull it out thinking that it was whatever part's supposed to come out first. And they're like, okay, wrong part. Stick it <laughs> back in. Pull like another part out. And they're like, dang, she was really wedged in there. So as they brought her out, it felt like an eternity until they gave her to me. They do their app card scores. They check on the baby's vitals and everything. And then they had her like so cinched up in a swaddle. But she also, from being breached, had like a legit like V-shape to her. Mm-hmm. That she came out and her legs were like to her chest. And I was like, no wonder at the end of pregnancy, you didn't like my coat being super, super tight. Mm-hmm. She would squirm. So when they lay her on my chest, it was the weirdest feeling because during normal labor and delivery, as the baby hits your cervix, you get shots of dopamine. So like that good birth feeling hormone, like where it feels good. And then there's a normal, not normal, but there's a process to birthing that is very protective for the mom because you're getting those dopamine hits with a C-section there's just a baby all of a sudden. Mm-hmm. So it's like a very interesting feeling. Okay, bye again. <laughs> <laughs> so it's a very, hello. <laughs> it's a very interesting feeling when they laid her on my chest because all of a sudden there's just a baby. And with Brooke, it was very interesting because she had blue eyes and like light fuzzy hair and was basically bald. So when you have dreams of these kids, I just had pictured like my husband and I both have dark hair and relatively like dark eyeballs. So I was like, what? Who is this? <laughs> like, if I wouldn't have seen her. Um, wait, wait, you skipped the part about 
finding out it was a girl. Did the doctor say that? No, they go, Tom, do you want to announce if it's a boy or a girl? And first of all, I'm the worst at guessing what whatever you are having, just ask me what it is and then go the opposite way because I'm so bad at guessing my own. But then, so my husband says, I don't know, I can't guess. And the doctor's like, what do you mean you can't guess? And later my husband said, and which was really true, her labias were so swollen, they Mm -hmm. looked like testicles because they had been rubbing on my pelvis. So her little anatomy didn't look quite right because it probably was very sore. So then the doctor had to announce it because Tom did not know. (laughs) So they lay her on my chest and it's like this weird feeling. So I feel like, too, a lot of moms don't talk about this, but there wasn't like this overwhelming instant connection. And of course, as she's gotten older, there's an amazing connection. But it was definitely not what I thought birth would be like. You think about it like in the movies, like you pull them to your chest and you're like over flooded with this feeling of like, I love them and such strong emotion. And that definitely was there, but not what I thought it was going to be like. Well, I think you did a perfect job of describing for C-section moms too. It's like the idea that they didn't, most of them maybe didn't get to go through the process of laboring and getting the dopamine, the oxytocin, like, you know, that birth high that a lot of people talk about is like runner's high, which you're very familiar with, you know, it's like, so not shame yourself if those feelings aren't immediately there because now you guys have such a special bond. Yeah. So then the first night it was funny because we go back to the room and then uh, for whatever reason, this is definitely a first time mom because with the third C-section, I like gave Camden to the nurses. It was like (laughs) at night, take them if you want them. (laughs) But that first night I kept her in the room all night. I would like stare at her to try to figure out who the heck she was. And I was then definitely like in awe, like, I can't believe she's like mine. And I stayed up all night looking at her even while she was sleeping. Again, that was definitely a first time mom type thing (laughs) because the other ones I was so tired. But I definitely have this level of gratitude as far as being able to live this experience to help other people because a I wish Amy was a sacrificial lamb she's had the <laughs> unmedicated birth. so I'm not like that grateful about it but but I do think in the medical system there's so much room to improve the process of having a c-section even maybe things that we could do to avoid having a c-section like in my case Now I know I've actually worked with a chiropractor in the area where we flipped so many babies, Mm -hmm. which is so cool and such a fun part of my practice. But we do that by creating space in the pelvis. All of us don't go into pregnancy like as equals, right? We could have ski injuries, like water ski injuries, downhill ski injuries. If you've been like an athlete in sports and you're like rougher in sports, if you've ever fallen on your bottom, hurt your bottom, all these things can affect the way and the shape of our uterus. It can affect how tight it is in our hip or our pelvic floor that don't allow baby space to drop. And then two, even with VBACs, like now that we've done the labor and delivery course, which I was like, why didn't we do this before my second one? I really would have advocated for different things to allow myself to go further 
because they made me do the VBAC at 39 weeks, just the hospital system I was at. So there's all these things that I know now that I didn't know then, but Mm -hmm. there's no one writing the story. Well, also like, and also even with all of that, there's still going to be a need for some C-sections to happen. And so us making sure that we have support for C-section moms, like we're so passionate about it because we've seen Crystal go through them and we know that women need more information. Yes. And it can be life-saving for mom and Mm -hmm. baby. So really knowing the information on recovering correct, I feel like has been such a blessing, even though I'm the sacrificial lamb. (laughs) So one of the, a couple of the things too, just like rounded out, not to go into the technical side, but I've definitely learned and had it like perfected down after three of them is all these little tidbits of information. Like So one of the biggest mistakes too is I did not take pain medication with Brooke. Our brother Jesse had an addiction to pain medication. So I just have this adverse like effect with pain medication. Mm -hmm. So I definitely was not taking it. And I was in so much pain on day two of Brooke's birth because the nurse is like, I think you're moving too much. I think you're like up and doing all these things too much because the PT side of me is like, all right, you need to get up and moving. And then and then not taking that pain medication, I was in a world of hurt on day two. And then two, like my third C-section, I feel like was so much easier and they progressively should have gotten worse because that's like more trauma to that area. But I just like knew how to do things and control things. So I feel lucky that we're able to give you guys more information now, retrospectively. Mm. Well, Crystal, thank you so much for telling us your birth story. I know that it was hard at times. And also, Crystal and I paused a couple times throughout it. She didn't know that it was going to be so emotional for her to relive it. But one thing that I know from my doula training is we've got to stop telling women that they're going to forget what happens to them in birth, no matter which way you birth, because there's been a lot of studies and a lot of women's experiences. They very much remember their births and how their baby entered the world. So today you heard the story of Brooke Declan coming into the world. If you enjoyed it, we would love it if you shared it on Instagram. And if you do, tag us at Expecting and Empowered and you guys can find us over there. We have three C-section highlights. A few of them Crystal made from her hospital room as she had her third C-section with her son Camden. So definitely go over there for resources. And thank you so much for listening.